When someone wants to get your attention, uh, what do they have to do? When you're busy doing something and someone wants to break what your, your focus, where your focus is, and they want you to refocus on them, look in their eyes, and they want to get your attention, what do they have to do to get your attention? Uh, some, oh, what was that? Call your name. Yeah, for some of you, it's, it's your name. Like when you have little kids, it's like, hey, dad, 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 mom, mom, mom. You know, parents, we know that sound. Uh, if you've got, like, if you're a, uh, older, if you've got friends, or if maybe if you've got a spouse, they, they start to say your name. And like for me, it's like, Nate, hey, Nate, Nathan, Nathan Allen, hey, Nathan Allen Powell, you know, it like gets longer, you know, as someone's trying to get my mom or Angela's trying to get my attention. Sometimes people have to clap at you. You ever have someone clap at you to get your attention? Hey, right here, look up here, look at me, or snap. You ever anybody snap? This doesn't work for me. You snap at me, I'm walking away, all right? I'm not going to, it's not going to work for me. What what does it take for someone to get your attention? This last week, Wednesday, early Wednesday morning, remember 1.30 a.m.? Some of us got called to attention by that tornado siren that went off. Uh, I I heard it going off, and I just like, I was like, "Mm -mm, nope, nope. I just pulled the covers in a little bit tighter. Like, I'm not moving. Angela, she like sprung to action. I mean, she was out of bed. She was collecting important documents, you know, picking up the pets. She was heading to the basement. It's like she'd been waiting all year for like the first tornado siren to hit here in Kansas City, and she was ready for it. Um, so we're, we're thinking about installing one of those in our bedroom, you know, just to help us wake up in the morning because it really worked well for her. What, what gets your attention? This morning we want to talk about wisdom. Wisdom is seeking your attention. Wisdom is, is calling your name, is wanting you to give it some focus, to listen to what it wants to say. If wisdom was a person, it would be out in the parking lot as you leave today and it would be clapping at you. Hey, look at me. Hey, look, pay attention. I'm going to tell you something. I want to help you learn something. The summer, we're going to explore what does it look like to, to lean into wisdom, to grow in wisdom. All of us can grow in wisdom. I don't care how old you are or young you are. You can be wise as God reveals himself to you. We're going to ask this question, why does making the wise choice matter? Why does it matter that we think about choices we have to make and that we, we seek the wise choice? Last week, Nate Severson introduced us to this idea of wisdom and gave us a great uh, definition for wisdom. He said, wisdom is knowledge applied to life experience. Wisdom is, is knowledge applied to life experience. We, we take all that we're learning in school, in work, in life, in family. We take these principles that we're, we're learning and we begin to apply them to our everyday lives, the choices that we make day in and day out, thousands of choices every day and in different ways. That's where we find wisdom. I'll just give you a, a quick example of this. Last week while Nate was preaching, Angela and I were out in Colorado doing a wedding, family that we've known from Arvada, Colorado, and they invite us out to participate. And we were up in the mountains and had a great, it was on Sunday, the wedding, and then by, by about six o'clock at night, everything was done, all the party was over. We were back at this vacation rental house the family had got for those of us participating in the wedding. And there's about six of us sitting on the deck watching the sun start to set and just enjoying the mountains and talking. And we, we see in the front yard of this house, it's a, kind of a spread out area. There's houses around, but they're not close. And in the front yard is this mountain fox starts making his way through the front yard. And we all saw him. We stood up and we went to the edge of the porch just to watch this fox looking for field mice. And one of the groomsmen that was standing next to me started making this sound. Uh, you probably have heard it before, something like this. You know, like a, like a little chirpy of a mouse. 
And as soon as he started making that sound, the, the fox was on it. He was like, what's that? What's that? He started coming up to the edge of the porch, just looking up at us as we're looking at him. And he's like, I, there's a mouse up there somewhere. And so he starts working around the porch, and there's a fence around the backyard. So I'm like, hey, we're okay. But then the gate was open. So he comes walking into the backyard. And it was at that point, I saw that on the back of the porch were like three little steps just up to the porch, just real small three little steps, and this groomsman, this mouse mimicker is continuing to make this sound, and before I know it, the fox is on the porch with us, and this is, um, this is a mountain fox. It's not a prairie fox, all right? I don't know if you know the difference, but they're big. I mean, bushy tail, like three foot long, and, uh, and so as soon as he's on the porch, all of us are standing there. All of us, it's like wisdom hit, like just descended on us, in that moment, right? Knowledge applied to life experience. I began to think, what do I know about foxes? They've got sharp teeth, right? I don't know what foxes say, but they've got sharp teeth. And I'm like, their teeth meant to tear flesh from bone and, you know, eat animals. And then I began to think about experiences I've had. I have a friend that got bit in the face once by a dog and wild animals are unpredictable. I saw a fox running across a field once with a rabbit in its mouth. And all these layers of knowledge and experience start to build on and and suddenly wisdom hits. And it kind of hit us all at the same time. So the guy who was making the noise, he stopped making the noise. And he went, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he got big like that. And the fox took off and he scared it off. It's like wisdom descended on us. Wisdom is knowledge applied to life experience. Wisdom told me, you don't play with foxes. You don't pet them. You don't sit them on your lap. You don't hold their face in your hands and go, oh, cute fox. Look how cute you are. It's not wise. It's not wise. It's something else, right? I'm going to talk about what it is in just a minute, some of those other options beside wisdom. Last Sunday, Nate talked about how wisdom is from God. It's practical. It's beneficial. We should pursue it. We should look for it and seek it out. We should collect wisdom. We collect a lot of things in our lives. Some of us have collections. When you collect something, you intentionally go after it. You pursue it. You look for it. You gather it. So some of us collect uh, recipes or baseball cards or nice cars or some of us are really good at collecting debt. You know, <laughs> we collect these things and, and God invites us to collect wisdom with the same kind of purpose, the same kind of intention. Go after it. Focus on it. When I think about wisdom, my mind goes to some of the books of the Old Testament. I think about Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and, and Job, what's called the wisdom literature, and we're going to look at that this summer. When I think about Proverbs, it was written by, most of it was written by King Solomon, the third king in Israel about 3,000 years ago. And uh, we're going to look at a proverb this morning, and I want to start by showing you just a short little video from the Bible Project. And if you haven't found BibleProject.com yet, I want to encourage you to find it. It's got videos on each book of the Bible, uh, lots of helpful information about Scripture and how we can understand it. So I want to show you just a part of the video on Proverbs, about three minutes, uh, to get a kind of an understanding of what Proverbs is all about. And then later this summer, I hope we can show you a clip from Job and Ecclesiastes, just to help us start to understand these books a little bit more. So I want to start by looking at Proverbs. So watch this little three-minute video with me. The book of Proverbs. The word proverb typically refers to a short, clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom, and this book has a lot of those. But they're almost all in the center section of the book, chapters 10 to 29. But there is way more going on in the book of Proverbs, especially at the beginning, chapters 1 through 9, and the conclusion, chapters 30 and 31. The book's been designed with an introduction, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and it first of all links this book to King Solomon. 
Now remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon had asked God for wisdom to lead Israel well. And so Solomon became known as the wisest man in the ancient world. And we're told in 1 Kings chapter 4 that he wrote thousands of proverbs and poems and collected knowledge about plants and animals. So Solomon was like the fountainhead of Israel's wisdom literature. So while not all the material in this book is written by him personally, he is where Israel's wisdom tradition began. The introduction says that by reading this book, you too can gain wisdom. Now wisdom for most of us means knowledge, but the Hebrew word chokhmah means much more than just mental activity. It refers to action also. So think skill or applied knowledge. This is why back in the book of Exodus, chapter 31, it was artists and craftsmen in Israel who were said to have chokhmah. So the purpose of this book is to help you develop a set of practical skills for living well in God's world. And this gets linked with another key idea in the introduction, the fear of the Lord. Now fear here is not about terror. It's about a healthy sense of reverence and awe for God and about my place in the universe. It's a moral mindset that recognizes I am not God and that I don't get to make up my own definitions of good and evil and right and wrong. Rather, I need to humble myself before God and embrace God's definition of right and wrong, even when that's inconvenient for me. Now this introduction leads us into the first main section of the book, chapters 1 through 9, which also doesn't contain short one-liner proverbs. Rather, what we find here are 10 speeches from a father to a son about how the son should listen to wisdom and cultivate the fear of the Lord and live accordingly, which means a life of virtue and integrity and generosity, all of which lead to success and peace. And the father warns his son also about folly and evil evil and stupid decisions that will breed selfishness and pride, all leading to ruin and shame. And so the son should make the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord his highest goal in life. And this way of thinking, it forms the moral logic of this entire book. Now these speeches from the father also clue us into what biblical wisdom literature is and how it's different from other parts of the Bible. These books explore how to live well in God's world, but wisdom is not the same as law, like what Moses gave Israel at Mount Sinai. And it's not the same as prophecy, divine speech to God's people. Rather, wisdom literature has the accumulated insight of God's people through the generations about how to live in a way that honors God and others. And so, through the book of Proverbs now, these human words about wisdom have been put together as God's word and wisdom to his people. So we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible with you, if you could open up Proverbs chapter 1, or if you've got the Bible app on your phone, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. And we're going to read through the end of chapter 1. We're going to do that in just a minute, but just get that open so you're ready to go. Um, this is God sharing his word and wisdom with us. It's, it's worth reading through the book of Proverbs. I don't know if you noticed in that video the picture of Solomon. Um, I got a picture of, I zoomed in on it a little bit here. This is what Solomon looks like in the video. Do you notice he's got glasses on? Uh, 3,000 years ago, I don't think they had glasses, you know. Uh, but they're trying to give us an idea of, of wisdom, a smart person, someone who knows things. I kind of wonder if they're like the 3D glasses that Nate had us put on last Sunday. You know, seeing wisdom through, you know, taking in life through wisdom, the glasses of wisdom. Um, the video made the point that wisdom is action and mental activity together. 
Wisdom is applied knowledge. Knowledge applied to life experience. That's what our definition is for wisdom this summer. And, and what is the first step toward wisdom? Some of you might know what Proverbs says about how do, you, how do you begin to lean into wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is, and some of you know, yeah, the fear of the Lord. It was in that video a little bit. The fear of the Lord, embracing this reality that I'm not God, that I'm not even a little G-God. Wisdom begins when we grasp our, in humility and acknowledge that, that God is the creator and we are the created, that he is the sustainer and we are the ones he sustains, that he is the author of life and we are the ones that have that life, that he knows us by name. He deserves our awe and our reverence. We understand that he is the God of us and we are not. We follow him. He knows what makes us unique. He put us together. He knows our internal wiring even before we were born, he put our bodies and our souls together in the womb. And, and since we're all unique and different, wisdom helps us apply his truth to our lives, to our experiences. And that's why one of the best questions you can ask when it comes to wisdom is, what is the wise choice for me considering my past experiences, my present circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams? What is wise for me to do considering all that I've been through in my past, what I'm facing in my everyday life today, considering what I want to see happening in my life in the future, what is the wise choice for me? And that's why there's times when what's wise for one person might not be wise for another person. That's why one person maybe should avoid credit cards while someone else can take advantage of the bonus miles they make off those credit cards. That's why one person can take a cross-country drive with their, in their car while it's maybe wise for another person to take the train. Or why someone can have a glass of wine at dinner while maybe it's wise for someone else to not have a glass of wine at dinner. It's why a wise choice for me includes avoiding the couch at four in the afternoon. Because if I sit on that couch at four in the afternoon, I'm going to take a nap. And I don't want to always take a nap. Some of you can sit on the couch at four in the afternoon and not be tempted by a nap. It might be wise for you to sit down there, but it's not for me. We should listen to wisdom and ask that question with what I've been through, with what I'm facing today, with what I hope to see in the future, what is the wise choice? We need to listen to wisdom. So with that in mind, let's look at Proverbs 1, verse 20. And here it says, my little you know, title of this area, this uh, section says, Wisdom's Rebuke. Verse 20, it says, Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. Verse 22, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Verse 28, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. I just want to pause here before we finish up this passage, this chapter. I just want to clarify something. As we're reading this, who's, who's speaking to us here? Who's saying these words to us? It's wisdom, right? 
Now, wisdom's not a person, but here wisdom's personified like a woman crying in the street. But wisdom is simply the principles of life. If we don't make good choices, if we don't listen to wisdom, if we make poor choices, we're going to have to deal with the consequences of the choices we make. God may forgive, he will forgive us. He, he will be present with us. His grace is available to us. He's going to walk with us through those tough situations. But the consequences are still real for us. When I'm reading this, I'm thinking, is God saying this to me? Is God saying he's going to mock me when calamity overtakes me? Is God saying that when I call for him, he's not going to answer? No, this isn't God speaking to us. This is wisdom, just the reality of how life operates. So let's keep going in verse 30 here. Since they would not accept wisdom's advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. So this woman, this wisdom, calls out to us. She's standing in your cul-de-sac, and she's saying, listen to me. Pay attention to me. Follow what I say. Listen, attend to my words. When we want to seek wisdom, we're going to pay attention to wisdom. We're going to listen to wisdom. And then there's those who will not pay attention to wisdom. I don't know if you caught, but uh, we, have, we have four choices this morning that we're talking about, four options. One is wisdom, and then there's three others. And you see it in verse 22. I don't know if you caught them. Let me just read that verse again. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. There's three other options there besides wisdom. There's the simple, the scoffer, and the fool. When we're not paying attention to wisdom, we're not making wise choices. We're either naive, which is another word for simple, or we're foolish, or we're just mocking the reality of life. We're scoffing at what is before us. I want to look at those three options a little bit more so that we can be aware of times in our lives when we fall into those categories and instead of continuing in them, we can pursue wisdom. So the first one is being naive. Depending on your Bible, the Hebrew word here is translated as simple or naive or childish or thoughtless. So being naive means that we're, we're clueless. If we're going to kind of make it simple, naive equals being clueless. A naive person lacks experience. They're easily persuaded. They don't know how to make judgments about things. Not that a wise person is judgmental, but a, a wise person is able to look at a situation, to weigh the op options, to consider the character of the other person, to balance the relational dynamics in that moment. And they're able to choose the smart and the wise option. A naive person just doesn't have those tools. They don't have the scales. They don't know how to do that work. So they enter into a uh, relationship or a challenging situation. They enter into that and they, they just say, well, I'll just do what feels right. I'll just follow my heart. I'll just say, what is that other person doing and I'll do what they're doing. They don't have the tools to seek the wisdom that God invites them into. They're just kind of making up. They're doing the best they can. The, the idea of a naive person or a simple person shows up 15 different times in the book of Proverbs. One other proverb we find it is in Proverbs 22 where the writer says, wise people see danger and go to a safe place. I think about Angela with that tornado siren. She's like, I'm going to a safe place. Childish people keep on going and suffer for it. So that's me staying in the bed, childish, naive, kind of hunkering down. I like the message paraphrase of this verse. 
It says, a prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks. A simpleton walks in blindly and is clobbered. And my mind goes to like a baseball game when someone yells out, heads up. You know, the wise person, well, let me start with the naive person. When someone yells heads up, they go, what? What's coming at me? You know, and there's a baseball hits them right in the head. But a wise person, when they hear heads up, they duck and cover. They know that, okay, something's coming at me. I got to take, I got to get out of the way. There are places in our lives where we are naive. I think, I think we can admit that to each other because we don't know everything. We haven't experienced everything we can experience in this world. So there's areas, there's categories, there's places where we are naive, where we're clueless. We don't know what we should do. And so what do you do when you're in these moments? You don't know, I'm, I'm not sure what to do. You're naive. How do you make a wise choice? What's, what should you do? You, you ask for help. It's as simple as that. When you don't know what the wise choice is, you find someone who has wisdom and you ask for help. We see Jesus, uh, Jesus' brother, talking about this in the New Testament, in the book of James, chapter 1. He writes these words, If any of you need wisdom, ask God for it, and he will give it to you. God gives freely to everyone. He doesn't find fault. But when you ask, you must believe. You must not doubt. People who doubt are like waves of the sea. The wind blows and tosses them around. A man like that shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. He can't make up his mind. He can never decide what to do. Ask for wisdom, and God will provide it to you. And when he does, when he speaks through his word and says, this is what's true, this is what the wise choice is, when, when he speaks through another person who says, hey, I think maybe you need to think about doing it this way. This might be a better way to go. When he speaks to us, James here says, believe him. Listen. Follow what he says. Listen and learn. And if you don't, you're going to get tossed around. This is a great image for someone who is naive. When I'm naive, I get, I get tossed around. I can't make up my mind. I don't even have the categories to put things in. In our family, there's five of us in our family, and we've got four cars right now. There's times when we've had five cars for the five drivers. Uh, we're down to four right now, and that's because cars break down, right? Especially when you've got five of them. One's always needing some kind of work. And I'm pretty naive when it comes to car mechanics and, and how to do that. I mean, when I was growing up, my dad showed me how to put gas in the car, how to check the oil. Besides that, I don't know much. So when I take the car in to get work done at a mechanic, they'll say, well, it's about $1,000 to fix that. I'm like a guy in the waves. I'm like, okay, all right. I mean, they could have said 2,000. I'd be like, okay, I guess so. 3,000, all right, I guess you know what you're doing. Like, I am naive in this area. And that's fine when you've got one car. But when you've got five cars, it's not fun being naive when it comes to that. So a few years ago, I'm like, I got to do something. I don't know what I'm, I don't, I'm naive. I got to ask someone for help. So I found Ted, guy at my old church, a retired mechanic. I said, Ted, you got to help me. I need to grow. I need to learn some stuff. So over time, Ted helped me learn how to do things. He helped me repair a radiator. He helped me put new shocks on the minivan. He helped me put a water pump into the RAV4. And I started to gain some knowledge and some experience so that I might have some categories. I might have some wisdom. Now, you don't want me working on your car, okay? Don't come up, up to me after service and say, hey, Nate, I've got this thing going on. I'm, I'm not that, I don't have all that together. But I now have some wisdom where I don't feel so naive, I feel like I've grown in that. You don't want to stay naive. Proverbs 1, verse 32, it says this, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them. You don't want to stay simple, right? You don't want to be killed because you're naive. 
Ask for help. Ask for help. Gain knowledge. Look for experiences. That's the first choice. The second choice is is this idea of foolishness. Fools hate knowledge. They have plenty of experiences in life, but they don't reflect on those experiences. They don't look for the knowledge or the wisdom of the moment. They're going through life every day. They're suffering consequences. They're enjoying benefits. They're making choices. They're going through new things, but they're never stopping to understand what they could learn through those new experiences. They're not applying knowledge in those moments. So if the naive is clueless, then the fool is careless. We've all been foolish. We've all found ourselves doing foolish things. We've all stood over the kitchen sink after pouring a bowl of rice down the disposal and thought, ugh, I'm going to have to clean the pipes out again. Why do I, I keep doing this, you know? We've walked away from a conversation with someone and said, why did I say that again? I'm so insensitive. I, I know what they're going through. Why did I say those words? We've all found ourselves in that place of foolishness where we don't allow our experiences to teach us, to help us gain knowledge. A true fool is careless. They just don't care. They don't take the time to think about what they're going through and what God is teaching them through their experiences. Jesus told a story about a wise person and a foolish person. And he said their lives were like a house building project. And every day they're putting on a brick. They're learning, you know, an experience after an experience. They're building those bricks. They're putting up the walls of the house through different seasons of their life. And then hardship descends upon them. Suffering pounces. Loss and pain rises up and it steals away the sunny skies. And all those experiences of their life, all that they've built, it's either going to be destroyed or it's going to stand strong. And the, foundation, the difference is the foundation, right? Jesus said in Matthew 7, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It's not enough to simply hear the words of wisdom. Jesus says you've got to put them into practice. You've got you to experiment with them. You've got to lean into them. You've got to, as you have experiences, you've got to look for what is the knowledge? What is the knowledge that I'm learning here? How can I learn from my experiences and discover the insights that God has for me? The wise person takes those experiences and digs in and takes time to reflect. What did I see happening there? How did I treat that person? Why did that happen again? What is going on inside of me when I'm interacting with them? They take time to reflect on that. The fool, on the other hand, takes those experiences and forgets the lessons of the moment. They don't apply their minds. They don't seek knowledge. They're careless. In verse 32 of Proverbs 1, it says, the complacency of fools will destroy them. You don't want to be destroyed. You don't want to be foolish. So if you want to leave your foolish ways behind, you have to be observant of the patterns of your life. You need to take time to reflect on what you've seen in your day, what kind of things you've gone through. People who are seeking wisdom will maybe start their day with a blank piece of paper and they'll say, yesterday I saw this person, we had this conversation, God, you did this and I saw you doing that and I wondered this question and you spoke about this and they kind of reflect on their day or they end their day and they say, God, let's talk about the day. And they say, I woke up and then I went and did this and you were with me and I saw that happen and then later on this happened to me and I saw that you were doing that and I said this and it didn't go well so I said it that way and it went better and they're walking through their day with God. There are these wonderful classic spiritual habits and disciplines that we can engage with to help us not be foolish, but grow in wisdom. Things like the prayer of examine, journaling, solitude, and all of these things require that we are not so busy that we don't have time to pause and reflect. 
you're so busy that you end your day, you fall into bed, you wake up the next day and run all the next day. You don't take time to stop and think about what you're experiencing and the knowledge that God is inviting you to take in. You're not going to have the wisdom that you're looking for. Pause and look for those patterns. The third choice is this idea of the scoffer or the mocker. The scoffer has knowledge and experience. In fact, sometimes they even know what the wise thing to do is, but they're too proud to embrace it. Proverbs 1.22 says, How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? They don't just choose to scoff. They delight in it. It's like a great dessert at the Cheesecake Factory. You know, they're just, they're just eating it up. They love how it makes them feel powerful and better than others as they scoff at others. So if, if naive is clueless and the fool is careless, then the scoffer is the criticizer, the one who criticizes. The one who mocks others, the one who stands in judgment over people is critical of wisdom. They're not interested in it. There's a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 15. It says, anyone who makes fun of others doesn't like being correct, doesn't like to be corrected. He won't ask wise people for advice. When you're poking fun at other people, when you're putting other people down, you don't want other people showing you how you need to grow or what you need to work on. We stand in this place of mockers when we ridicule others, when we belittle our opponents. We're not living as wise people. When we post things, on social media that says, look, look at this idiot. Look at what this guy did. These famous people we don't even know, these quotes from other people, and we just, we just attack them and put them down. That's not wise. That's not how wisdom acts. Scoffing goes hand in hand with, with self-righteousness. You better believe there's a big difference between the righteousness that God gives you and the righteousness that you bestow on yourself and say, I'm, I'm smart about this. So often we reject others because we're not able to accept ourselves. So many times we make others feel small because we already feel small. And if I can make them feel a little bit smaller, then I feel a little bit bigger. So often it's our own insecurities and fears that cause us to point that accusatory finger at the other person. And many times the very thing that they're struggling with is the thing that we're struggling with. And we see it in them, so we attack it instead of dealing with it in our own lives. Paul wrote in the New Testament words about this. And and some of these words actually terrify me a little bit. This is in Romans chapter 1. God's speaking about those who are not pursuing life with him. He says they, they knew God, but they didn't honor him as God. They didn't thank him. Their thinking became worthless. Their foolish hearts became dark. They claimed to be wise, but they made fools of themselves. They would rather have statues of gods than the glorious God who lives forever. Their statues of gods are made to look like people and birds and animals and reptiles, the creation instead of the creator. And then this line, so God let them go. He allowed them to do what their sinful hearts wanted to do. That's the line that's terrifying for me. God let them go. God will give us over to our own greatness when we dismiss the wisdom that he offers us, when we pretend like we don't need it. When we think we are greater than the wisdom of God, We put ourselves in places of danger and defenselessness. And God leaves us at the mercy of our best ideas, our best devices. And we quickly find out that our false wisdom is nothing compared to the wisdom that God offers us. And people say, go live your truth. And we quickly find out that my truth is nothing compared to what is actually true and good and faithful and right in this world. God leaves us at this mercy and we find that we need him. 
Proverbs 1, verse 30, it says, Since they would not accept my advice, wisdom speaking, they wouldn't accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. In other words, the very thing that you're mocking and scoffing at are the things that you will become. Instead of mocking, humble yourself. Shut your mouth. Open your heart to God. Invite Him to give you wisdom and a new heart, a soft heart that will listen, that doesn't think more of itself than it should. Proverbs 1 again, verse 23, Suppose you had paid attention to my warning. Then I would have poured out my heart to you. I would have told you what I was thinking. I would have refreshed you. I would have poured out. I mean, I think about these hot days we're heading into, right? It's going to be hot today and tomorrow, and life sometimes feels that way just hot and sticky and uncomfortable. And God says, I want to pour into you the refreshing water of wisdom. I want to give you something else. Listen to the way of God, the words of God, the wisdom of God. He's calling out to you. When you lack experience, don't stay naive. Learn from others. Sit under their experience. Look for mentors and and parents who you can trust, and grandparents who are wise and can share their wisdom with you. When you lack knowledge, don't settle for foolishness. Reflect on the patterns of your life. Look for understanding. When you have knowledge and experience, but you're just too proud to let go of your position, ask God to change your heart. Surrender to his will and his way. Instead of telling other people how they should be living their lives, serve them, love them, embrace them, especially if they disagree with you. That's what wisdom would have for us. That's really that fourth choice is wisdom. God ready to pour out his, his wisdom into our lives. So if naive is clueless and the fool is careless and the scoffer loves to criticize wisdom, wisdom is contagious. What would happen is if, if we as Hillcrest, as a faith community here, if we all began to grow in wisdom, as we pursued wisdom this summer, we began to grow in our ability to make wise choices, to share wisdom with others. Wouldn't that transform our families and our neighborhoods and our schools and our businesses and, and all that we have around us? As people saw us, as our neighbors began to see, like, hey, they, they're doing smart stuff. They seem to be making progress in life. Wouldn't they want to know more? Our friends would be curious about why we do what we do. Our families might come to us to find insight and counsel because they know that we're growing in wisdom. Wisdom is crying out. Will we respond to her cry? I'm excited about this summer as we continue to lean into this together and get practical. What does it look like to be wise and how we speak to others and our friendships and how we use uh, money and other things? We're going to look at what Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes has to say to us. So let's ask God to help us grow in this. I'd like to pray with you as we finish up here and uh, before we go to prayer, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and I want to invite our prayer volunteers to come up as well. Um, every Sunday, there are volunteers up front, right up front here, to pray with us. And so as we stand in a moment to sing, if, if you'd like to come up and ask them to pray with you during this closing song about maybe something in your life where you need wisdom, uh, maybe there's a, a, a choice in front of you, an opportunity, and you're not sure what God would have you do, uh, come on up here and let us pray with you about that and seek God for wisdom. So well, why don't you stand with me? Let's stand together. And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song. And while we're singing, if you want to come up and, and have someone pray with you about a choice in front of you, I think that's, that might be a great way to finish up our time together. So let's, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. We thank you, Father, that you want wisdom for us, that you offer it to us. 
So as we move through the summer, Spirit of God, would you teach us? Would you soften us? Would you help us learn? Would you transform us? Father, we want you to confront us and correct us and encourage us and call us out and, and build us up. We want all of that to happen as we meet together, as we sit with you and with, the, with this community. Father, would you speak? We thank you that you don't leave us alone in this world, but you walk with us. Help us to listen. Help us to hear. Help us to pay attention, Father. You are so good. You are so faithful. We love you. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.